from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to have a little talk with my pal Joe Lavornia, who is the former chief economist at the White House National Economic Council. Uh, he's now the head economist at SMBC Nico Securities. Joe, welcome back. I've got a couple things for you. First of all, I did get your chart, which is eye-popping. So let me get this right. Middle class and blue-collar real wages, that's wages adjusted for inflation, under Joe Biden, uh, two years worth plus minus 2.1%. Under Donald Trump, I guess this is all four years of Trump, right? Correct. That's right. Plus 7.3. Now, you know, that that's an incredible contrast. Plus 7.3 for Trump, minus 2.1 for Biden. First of all, how did you calculate middle class and blue collar? What were the parameters there? Sure. What we did, Larry, is uh, I looked at the non-supervisory production workers, right. people who uh, are right. just basically living off their hourly wage rate. That doesn't include sales commissions and Wall Street bonuses and stock options and things that the higher and upper classes tend to get as a form of compensation. It's basically what you take home every week uh, from working hard. Mm -hmm. So, all right, so that's fair enough. Now, Biden, 2.1% minus 2.1%, that, that's not getting any better. No, it's not getting better. Uh, I mean, the wage numbers yesterday showed a little bit of an increase, but uh, they're still not booming by any means. And, of course, as you know, inflation, while it's coming down, and I believe it will come down more, is still running above those wage rates. So, yes, real incomes, Larry, are still negative. That means that people are still paying more for the things they used to, even with those higher wages they might feel they've gotten. Well, so the point is um – you know, if you're talking about elections and presidential elections and whatnot, this is a very important indicator. I mean, I think the decline in real wages in the last two years is one of the key reasons why everybody's – these polls show so much pessimism, Joe, and also why Joe Biden's approval ratings on the economy are down around 35 percent, which is pretty – you know, which is awful. Larry, the, as you know, you're – Old, old boss Ronald Reagan had run on uh, Are You Better Now Than Four Years Ago? Yep. And, and that really now has become a nonpartisan issue. That's something the voters have to ask themselves from that old, way, that old Reagan line. Are they better off now than four years ago? In some cases, people are, but certainly for the middle and working class, it certainly seems like they're under a lot of duress. And when we look at the economy and try to forecast it, the consumer confidence numbers reflect that. They reflect significant hardship really across the board, but especially for the middle class. And that's why I remain negative on the outlook, because I believe once those excess savings from the pandemic, that stimulus that we got back in early 21, once that fully runs out, the consumer is going to have to depend on rising real wages, not shrinking real wages. What did you learn from yesterday's jobs report? I mean, the downward revisions in February and March, I didn't know this. Kevin Hassett said there were downward revisions going all the way back to last September. But most pronounced, February and March revised down 150,000 jobs. So that 253 number in April is really kind of a phony number. Right. I, Kevin, what Kevin might be referring to is the recent annual benchmark, because mm -hmm. normally each month only goes back two months. But those revisions, about 150, they're quite large, Larry. And typically, 
uh, at inflection points, the revisions reflect the momentum in direction of the economy, which Mm -hmm. is down. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I learned after the fact, uh, which is a bit wonky, but the BLS, as you know, makes these adjustments for jobs. And it looks like they used a really large plug factor. In other words, they created potentially, I don't want to say they did it wrong, but potentially phantom jobs uh, of Mm -hmm. almost 380,000. So it's very possible as we move forward into the summer that we'll find this big April gain like March uh, previously is revised lower. So this is you're talking about this birth death. Correct. That's exactly right. The net birth death adjustment. April typically is a month that uh, that shows a lot of job growth. Uh, Now, it's possible, Larry, that, you know, the adjustments all got messed up during the pandemic. And then in, in, in 21 and 22, we had positive readings in April, but that might just reflect the fact that maybe there was distortion in how they created some of these series because the pandemic messed everything up. But it seems like a number up around 400,000, which is where that adjustment was. It's about 55,000 higher than last year and mm-hmm. about 70 the year before. That seems awfully aggressive. So mm-hmm. I hate saying the numbers are wrong, but I do think there's a compelling case to be made that We've got to take this with a little bit of caution. In the household survey, while the unemployment rate fell, Larry, the household employment was only up about 134,000. Yep, 139,000. That's exactly right. And that's been slowing down quite a bit, too. So, Joe, what's your outlook for the economy in general? Larry, as you know, I've been I've been negative because all the growth we've seen has been on the consumer side. Investment spending has been weak. The manufacturing and housing sectors are in recession, and that's why the leading indicators have been so soft. I don't think I don't think we avoid it. Uh, The Fed with that yield curve and, you know, it's just unfortunately we've got bad policy all around. But the Fed is not looking at market price signals. The yield curve inversion is bothering me. And the fact that the three month bill is way above five percent and national wide savings rates, according to the FDIC, are around 60 basis points. This deposit flight is going to continue. So the Fed's going to have to have a very difficult choice. Are they going to deal with more and possibly growing systemic issues uh, by keeping these rates high? Or are they going to lower rates, as I think they will, right or wrong, uh, to deal with this stress in the banking system? When do they lower rates? The market is saying September. That's broadly in line with history. I'm going to go with September as well. But, I, but my guess is when they go, Larry, they're going to go – in 50s, not 25. So I'm a little bit more aggressive in terms of how much I think the cuts will be relative to the market. And by the way, it may be very inflationary when they're done cutting rates, but I do think they're going to go. Geez, I might, <clears throat> I want to, I should be buying gold. Well, it's funny. I was just going to say that, Larry. Gold <laughs> has had a nice run. So the gold market might be sniffing this out. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I, boy, I don't, I think this, We're talking about this with Kevin Hassett just a few moments ago. I don't, for the life of me, understand why Jay Powell just doesn't echo these sentiments that I'm sure he would like to stop raising rates. He's got a banking crisis on his hands. He's got a softening economy on his hands. But he needs some spending cuts. I mean, he should come out and say that. And it's what Greg Ipp wrote in the Wall Street Journal, that lower spending – which Biden will not play yet. I mean, maybe he will. They got a meeting on Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, lower spending would help lower inflation, would help lower interest rates. And Jay Powell should say that. Give me one and I'll give you the other. Volcker did this. Alan Greenspan did this. Ben Bernanke did this. I don't know why Powell doesn't have the backbone to do it. 
Two things, Larry. Kevin Castle would make a great Fed chair. He would make listening. He'd yes, make a great Fed chair. He would. He would. But, but here's what I would say to Jay Powell. He could actually even, if he wants, he tries to, he's trying to be as nonpartisan and not try to wade in on the fiscal issues, or so he said. But I think the problem, Larry, is that, as you know, the, the balance sheet ballooned to nearly $9 trillion. And the fact the Fed waited so long to remove that liquidity, which basically is killed off the bond vigilantes because the Fed's bought so much debt, uh, that's enabled, arguably, the government to spend as rapidly as they have. If they didn't QE, the market might push back. The market may ask for fiscal discipline. That's not happened. And unfortunately, now, when they started the QT, they started it too late. And effectively, with the banking situation, they've undone about two-thirds of the, Q, uh, of the QT they've done. To me, it's a total mess. I'm not sure exactly how you get out of it. If we had spending cuts, it, certainly that would help. Well, but, he uh, I don't see that happening. The fact that the, the fact that a Fed chairman weighs in on fiscal policy doesn't mean they're being a partisan political player. I mean, there's fiscal policy and there's monetary policy and then there's regulatory yeah. policy. But the but, point is, but, I'm, I'm not asking him uh, to endorse Kevin McCarthy's plan, but I don't see why he can't make a more, you know, generic statement. I, I'll read you what Greg Ip wrote. I mean, I've been pushing this. A debt deal would help solve the country's inflation problem. Spending cuts could prompt the Fed to cut interest rates sooner, easing some of the pressure on banks. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. That's a statement that Jay Powell could and should make. Larry, he should do it, but I don't think he will. As he I needs think a he backbone. A he needs a yeah. backbone. Well, I, you you know him, and uh, and he did seem to go. He 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 channeled he his inner sur- Paul Volcker when he, he wanted reappointment. So I, I, he needs back surgery. Yeah, he needs. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's what he does. I know the guy. I know him very well. He had lunch, can, you know, for three years. Uh, those lousy fed turkey and cheese sandwiches, but they meant well. Anyway, the point is, um, you're coming down to the short strokes. Next few weeks, right? The government's going to run out of money in early June. Uh, I think, you know, Yellen. I don't trust Yellen, but I think she's got that right, don't you? Isn't that going to be the moment of truth? Look, some, I mean, the, rea- the, the reality is they could stop, they could divest these trust funds in perpetuity. So it really comes yeah. out to when the Treasury thinks the deadline is. But yes, I, based on the revenue trends, which are pretty lousy, yes, early June, I think this Treasury Secretary's roughly right. By the way, you're right about that. They could divest the trust funds. <laughs> you are so. They got, they got a lot. Right. And, and that's what the question is, just how big a hole did they want to deep? That's right. What do they, they um, instead of uh, spending, instead of making the investment, what is it? It's the it's the civil service. It's the post workers. It's the thrift savings account. So they give them uh, non-marketable IOUs instead of putting the money in, making the investment. Yeah, you could. Right. 
Make it do that in it's, it's the same thing, just what is classified as non-marketable <laughs> debt, which goes against the debt ceiling, and the other piece doesn't. <laughs> you know what? Soon, right, this is a new avenue, you know, non-marketable debt. Why haven't they figured that out yet? Great we, financial engineering. We could, we could go decades. <laughs> we could have two, two sets of books, you know? We could be like Italian business people. <laughs> hey, careful, Larry, careful. <laughs> oh gosh, Joe Lavornia, he's uh, now the chief economist at S- SMBC Nico Securities. He was my top economist at the White House National Economic Council. I'll talk to you soon, Joe. <laughs> to actually the Italians have three sets of books, one for the mistress. I'm Cudlow. <laughs> We're going to talk to famous Dr. Rock Positano in just a minute. Stay with us, folks. <laughs> Larry Kudlow.